and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, balling up, calling entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I'm Tim McCallum. That's Dancing Jesse Rubinoff. This is Tim and Friends for November 29th, 2022. Matthew Kachuk's return to Calgary is coming up on the network. The Canucks looking for a fourth straight win is on the network. The Leafs playing some of the best hockey in the NHL right now. And some Austin Matthews rumors that we will attempt to figure out if they are smoke, if they are fire, and whether Toronto Maple Leaf fans need to worry about it. Yeah, let's get to the bottom of that. The Raptors welcome Pascal Siakam back into the lineup with an impressive win over the Cavs. And Team Canada South, the Indiana Pacers upset the King in L.A. Here to after, referred to as the Mandem, led by Maturan and Nemhard, kick off or knock off some of the best names in the business. It is unbelievable what they are doing right now in Indiana, making a more than a few folks, both north and south of the border, smile a, bee, a wee bit taking out the Lakers. All this and more coming up in this 90-minute edition of Tim and Friends. Those friends today include NFL insider Nick Kiprios and the very fine-looking Ryan Leslie sitting down with Matthew Kachuk ahead of his much-awaited return to Calgary. This should be fun, so let's get to the hot topics of the day. And first things first, let's give him the gears, Eddie Beers. First things first. Benedict Maturin. Nice. Thank you. All right, let's begin on the ice. <laughs> How, long <laughs> How long have you been practicing that? All night last night. <laughs> uh, in between watching some hockey, the Maple Leafs extended their point streak to nine games, and Mitch Marner extended his personal point streak to 17 games in a 4-2 win over the Detroit Red Wings. Meanwhile, in Edmonton, Oilers fans showing some solidarity with Flames fans, booing Matthew Kachuk in his return to Alberta. Didn't phase him. He opened the scoring for the Panthers. But it was Edmonton getting the last laugh, scoring with less than five seconds to go in regulation before Leon Dreisaitl won it in overtime. Timmy, what is the most encouraging sign about the Oilers' play over the last few games? Listen, I know that you're setting me up to have maybe a little Jack Campbell conversation. Maybe a little this defense is kind of closing things up. Maybe a little five-on-five discussion that might not be there or may not be there. But I'm going to stop all of that for one split second and just say something here. When I was young, Wayne Gretzky was in his prime. And when Wayne Gretzky was in his prime, there were people out there talking about Wayne Gretzky is a little too soft. He plays in the periphery. He doesn't do this enough. He doesn't do that enough. Have you ever seen him get hit? If Dave Semenko wasn't on his line or wasn't on that team, he'd be in trouble. And then when all was said and done, people looked back at the people talking about Gretzky in his prime like they were absolute morons. Mm -hmm. Because what you had in his prime was something ridiculous, something meant to be cherished. And last night, as I watched the Edmonton Oilers play the Florida Panthers, I thought the exact same thing about Connor McDavid. I was watching a magician in his prime go to work, and that late going of that game, first off, his backhand goal, wonderful. It was scrumptious, and I don't care if Spencer Knight skate hit the post and it knocked it off the moorings a little bit, and it looked like he did it with his backhand, because that would have been absolutely ridiculous. The whole thing, 
The whole bleeping thing from Connor McDavid. Here's the one where people thought that his backhand rattled the net. But it was, it was the skate that <laughs> I, did I, it. I did too for a split second. The whole thing is ridiculous. We need to stop. We need to make sure that we're cherishing the gift that is Connor McDavid. McDavid's got a breakaway. In on night. Backhander score. He walks in beautiful backhand deep. Jonas, a one-timer score. And this game is tied. What a pass. McDavid gets this puck, and he spins no looker right onto the tape. Evan Bouchard. Two on one. Drysaddle looking for victory. McDavid. Back to Drysaddle. Game over. Edmonton four. Florida three. In overtime. Sometimes the multiple looks, rapid fire that we throw into stuff to make it look spicier Mm -hmm. actually does it a disservice. That game-tying goal from Evan Bouchard and the feed from Connor McDavid that led to that game-tying goal was absolutely unbelievable. Like, I don't know where or how he saw Bouchard where he was with that little time left on the clock. But look, like... It's just a spin, and it's tape to tape. I know. He's not even supposed to get the puck in that moment. Now, maybe it's a call play. Maybe it's a set play. Maybe they knew where they were trying to go the entire time, and McDavid just happened to be the third oiler to touch the puck in that time frame. But they got it to Bouchard. I just – he's – I've said this a couple of times. The chuckles per 60 from Connor McDavid, or in this case – 60-plus because they needed overtime to get this. Even to give it back to Drysaddle on the overtime winner, right? Like, you're watching real time and you think, all right, McDavid to Drysaddle, game over. Or or Drysaddle, McDavid, game over. And it was the other way. Just to give it back. Yeah. Okay. Other two guys. Can you imagine being the goaltender having those two guys bearing down on you? No. Or even the defenseman for that matter? It was contested, too. There was a guy back there and another guy in the back check. That's just... Very intimidating. Um, so you, you were talking and about Sarah Gretzky. Nekla, by the way. And like, this doesn't need to become a, a Gretzky-McDavid conversation. But obviously you got to, the chance to watch Gretzky. I watched him in his later years of his career. Mm-hmm. And I think what I know is that one of the things that, that stuck out with, from him is vision. Um, and just his, his ability to elevate. Like every part of his game was just a little bit better than everybody else's. Right. And what strikes me about McDavid is that the game is clearly faster now. A lot faster than it used to be. Yeah. Yet he still has the ability to be just a little bit better than everybody else at pretty much every single thing that a hockey player can do. Yeah. We all take in data, and these days more than any other time in the history of the game. Mm-hmm. And what Connor McDavid is unbelievable at is taking in the data at real time, at that pace, and still being able to make the right play or the better play. As Jeff Merrick explained, Mitch Marner's thought process to us yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like, McDavid made the better play twice there on the game-tying goal and the game-winning goal. He made the better play, and because of it, the Edmonton Oilers won a hockey game. And, And what I'm saying about, here's what happened with Wayne Gretzky. He jumped onto the scene, and everyone was like, holy bleep. And this is what we do. I don't care if it's the media. I don't care if it's the fans. We build them up. We tear them down. We build them up again. Forget the tear them down part here. Just enjoy Connor McDavid for what he is, because who the hell knows? 
I don't know where he'll end up. You don't know where he'll end up. We don't know if injuries will play a factor. Right now, it is beautiful to watch. And every once in a while, we've got to stop and smell the roses, Jesse. No question. Yeah, and that was my way of saying, let's stop and smell the roses on that one. We're going to get into Kachuk getting booed in Edmonton, probably getting booed in Cal. All those other things. I just wanted to stop for a split second and say, holy bleep, because McDavid was unbelievable last night. Well, there's a lot of Leaf fans saying, holy bleep, about the Leafs, yeah. and specifically Mitch Marner last night. They beat the Red Wings 4 to Austin Matthews with another multi-point game. William Nylander scoring for the third straight game. Uh, Nylander and John Tavares have more goals uh, than Matthews at this current point. Is that a good thing? I thought it was a good thing, showing the kind of depth that in the real season means so much. Uh, that getting a lot out of Nylander and Tavares was far more important than knowing that a Hart Trophy winner is good. Like, we, we, we all kind of know yeah. that Matthews is unreal. I mean, 60 goals. Like, that's good. I don't care if you're a Leaf hater or a Leaf lover. You know that's good. And I thought that having Nylander and Tavares ahead of Matthews was a really good thing. All the way up until the point that I heard Kipper on the fan this morning say that there was real worry that Matthews could go as a free agent. I mean, I, I really want... Leaf fans to enjoy what is just another wonderful November for this team. 10-1-3 in the month. And that is wonderful. So I will, I will leave it there and say that Kipper is going to join us later to explain. Can I, Jesse? Can I do that? Can I say, read what Kipper said on your screen and then leave it and we'll have Kipper on the show just past the 6 p.m. hour and we will discuss what you see on your screen right now. Yeah, I mean, the obvious question for me is how much does not playing with Mitch Marner factor into what will be that conversation? Is he upset about it? And you would hope that if he is, in fact, upset about it, he would say something rather than just want to leave, drop everything and leave. We'll ask Kipper because I think the Leafs are a better team when Mitch Marner plays with John Tavares because it makes two lines ever dangerous. And Tavares uh, clicks with... Marner, Marner clicks with everybody. I would understand why you'd want to play with Marner. And guess what? They have the same conversations in Edmonton. Yes. With Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Well, you saw how good they are together last night, yeah, specifically in overtime. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there are uh, nine games on the icing NHL, and all eyes are going to be on Calgary because Matthew Kachuk is making his return as the Flames host the Panthers. Mm-hmm. As mentioned, we got a bit of a preview of how Kachuk will be received as we saw from the Oilers fans last night. So, Tim, in your opinion, what will the reception be tonight? Are we going like Ben Simmons-level Philly fans, or what are you expecting? It, it sounds like, and listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divert to Ryan Leslie and Matthew Kachuk on this one because it sounds like, to me, it will be a chilly reception that will await Matthew Kachuk mm-hmm. in Calgary. But we're going to play a, a snippet of something that you'll hear the entire thing of in about uh, 20 minutes time from now. Here is Matthew Kachuk, Ryan Leslie, and what he thinks. What do you say to that fan base that really did embrace you? And they may even have a few boos for you upon your return, but yeah. what do you say to them? No, I mean, I'll still see what happens, yeah. but um, they, they know I left it out there every, every single shift, every game. Okay, but that doesn't mean that he won't get the boost. I, but don't you think, I mean, they should boo him. I think that it's only natural for a fan base to want to do it with the way things ended. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't extremely disrespectful. Who, who gets more booze, Kachuk or Goudreau? Probably Goudreau, I would think. 
just because he strung the fan base along a little bit and where I feel like Kachuk gave them time to yeah. sort of figure it out. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much time he actually gave them, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Just, I understand what you're saying, but I don't know how much time he actually the gave The optics them. of the Goudreau, I think, were worse just because he, he waited so long and the Flames sort of, the front office couldn't really do anything until no. and couldn't get anything until for made him, decision. And then he ended up in Columbus. Right. So maybe you're right. So maybe it's tepid booze, but I doubt it because the fan base is pissed off right now. One, the way Calgary is playing, and two, the way it looks like the Florida Panthers have won this deal, even though we sat here and wondered if they did. I mean, you look at the numbers for Kachuk, and he's off to the best start that he has ever had through 20 games in the National Hockey League. He's got 29 points. Uberdo and Uyghur have a combined 15, both yeah. of them combined. Now, I know Uyghur's a defenseman. He's a little bit yeah. different, but I think you would have thought that Uberdo would have been at least stride for stride with him. This is really interesting to me, and I wanted to ask you this. It came to mind when I saw these numbers. It's just, do you think there's more of a... An adjustment period for Uberdo just based on the way that yeah, he plays Calgary plays. Yeah, and he plays the game, and, right? And the way he plays the yeah, game. He has to get chemistry Kachuk. with guys because he's a creator yeah. and he's a distributor. So it's a little bit different. It's not that different. That's 19 points yeah. different through 20 games. Pretty basically. darn good. Yeah. Uh, we asked uh, online what reception are you expecting for Matthew Kachuk in Calgary. Flames fan said he will get a standing O when they do the video tribute and then booed whenever he touches the puck, as it should be. Nat says the birds will be flying tonight, the boo birds. Uh, maybe some other birds as well. Steve, I would imagine 75% booze. He's not good enough to get a hero's welcome. <laughs> it didn't really leave on good terms. Uh, YMCA. Yeah, he was pretty good last year. Yeah, he was pretty good. Over 100 points. Flames fans will be okay with him. And I'll get a mix of cheers and booze. Then he will run the goalie or spear someone. At that point, it will be mostly. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Kachuk game no, if he didn't. Yeah. No, but it seems Understood. like he thrives off the booze. So it'll be entertaining to watch. All right, sure. we got Ryan Leslie coming up in a flash. And we will dive into this a little bit, little, little bit more. We're going to continue on First Things First with some basketball. And after missing 10 games due to injury, Pascal Siakam made his return to the Raptors lineup last night, helping the team do a 188 win of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Tim, how big of a relief is it to see Pascal back with the Raps? Well, it's obvious the Raptors are a different team with him in the lineup. The only question is how different. And I tried to quantify this. How about this, Jesse? Mm -hmm. They are a top 10 team offensively and defensively with Siakam in the lineup. In fact, the team's net rating, which is a combination of offense and defense, is top five in the NBA with Pascal Siakam playing in the 10 games that he has so far this year. In the 10 games without him, they were 5-5, five and five, but that number plummeted to 20. They were a top five net rating team with him in the lineup, and they were 25th or 6th worst in the NBA when he wasn't in there. It's truly amazing to see how far this guy has come. And... I keep saying it, but remember, some Raptor fans wanted this guy out of the city, off the team. And instead, he's become one of just five players in NBA history to average 24, nine rebounds, and seven assists through the first ten games of the season. You know who the other guys are? Tell me. Oscar Robertson, Luka Doncic, Russell Westbrook, Nikola Jokic, and Pascal Siakam. Not bad. <laughs> not, not bad at all. I mean, they just they, they do look like a different team to the naked eye without all of those stats uh, to back it up. A uh, part of what Nick Nurse was able to do last night, obviously the starting lineup has changed a lot, but Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent coming off the bench. And before I get your opinion on whether you liked it or not, uh, here's Scotty Barnes on last night coming off the bench. Uh, it was a little different, for sure. It was all right. 
Uh -uh. I don't know. It was it was all right. Yes. <laughs> so it was all right. Yeah. Is it just just all right? Fine. Like it's not a big deal. You don't think? You worried? You, you want me to read into Scotty no, Barnes' no, body all right, language? Let's move on to that. That's fine. It was all right. Yeah, it was all right. He yeah, played pretty well. I too. think he wants to start. Yeah. Uh, all right. Elsewhere in the NBA, <laughs> Aurora, Ontario's Andrew Nemhard hit the game winning buzzer beater as the Pacers and Benedict Maturin overcame a 17 point fourth quarter deficit to beat the LA Lakers. Okay. Is Maturin officially better? than LeBron James. <laughs> Everyone made the big deal about Maturin saying at the start of the year that he wanted to play against LeBron James. I'll say this, he looked pretty damn good, and so did everyone else. Listen, he walked it back before the game. This is what he said on facing LeBron James. I don't think anyone's better than me. I know that Stats Muse, I know that a lot of American networks grabbed this and went with it. He did pretty damn good. Match him up one by one, side by side. He did pretty damn good. In fact, he outscored LeBron James. He had one more rebound. <laughs> he was a plus seven. LeBron was a minus seven. I'm not saying he's the GOAT, but Benedict Maturin did a pretty damn good job. And Nemhart had the game winner. Uh, Mandem, Canada South, <laughs> Indiana Pacers. By the way, winning record as well. Yeah, backed it up. All right, listen, uh, Canada's final game at the World Cup is coming up on Thursday as they look for their first ever win and points at the Men's World Cup. Meantime, groups A and B wrapping up today. Now, so much history swirling around Group B, not only with England facing Wales, but the United States taking on Iran. Plenty of emotion and layers obviously leading up to this one, with Iran petitioning FIFA to kick the United States out of the World Cup after... U.S. Soccer Federation put out on social media posts a flag without the Islamic Republic emblem on what was once the Iranian flag. Now, the symbol removed by the United States social media team was that of the regime that, according to the United Nations, is currently torturing and killing peaceful protesters asking for basic human rights in Iran. But don't worry, FIFA asked that politics be left out, everybody. So rainbow symbols, get the hell out. Persian flags like the one the U.S. posted or maybe some of the ones that we know with the lion and the saber, those are being confiscated at the doors of the games that Iran plays in, while the Iranian players themselves and their families are facing reported threats of violence, torture, and even death back home if they once again refuse to sing the national anthem in support of those peaceful protesters. But don't worry. I'm sure FIFA will stand up for them. All right. It's impossible to keep politics out of sports. And don't act like FIFA tried. They, just like everyone else it seems these days, just picks and chooses the politics that they want. Don't believe me? Just wait for all the LGBTQ rights that they will promote at the Women's World Cup when it comes in less than a year from now. And all right, the winner of this match between the United States and Iran would qualify for the knockout stage. So let's have a look at what transpired between Iran and the United States of America. At best, it is an uncomfortable singing of the national anthem for the second straight game. Can probably understand a 6-2 loss to England when they did not sing the national anthem, given the pressure on those guys. The United States looking to get back to the knockout stages for the third time in the last four World Cups. 38th minute. Serginho Dest, header gets it to Christian Pulisic, brave as hell. It is the home of the brave after all. His first World Cup goal comes at a cost. 
down in pain. And despite the state's leading 1-0 at halftime, he would be forced to leave, did not return. 93rd minute, Iran free kick, looking for that equalizer. And it goes just wider than that. Fans from both sides holding their breath. 98th minute, Mehdi Tarami puts it through the legs of Matt Turner, but Walker Zimmerman is able to scoop behind and clear the ball. The United States get the win to eliminate Iran from the World Cup and the U.S. on to the round of 16, 1-0 the final, but the health of Pulisic will have a big deal on whether or not they can move on from that. Meanwhile, Wales and England with its own history, England were all but through ahead of their game. The Wales basically needed a miracle, and it didn't come. Harry Kane through ball. Marcus Rashford goes to the chip. Danny Ward, early save, but England putting on the pressure. Scoreless at the break. 50th minute England free kick. Rashford, are you kidding me? First direct free kick at this year's World Cup, and they kept it coming. Kane. in England two goals in just over a minute it's 2 now 68 minute long ball over the top for Rashford this is old school England a little hoof don't need to hope Rashford second goal of the tournament excuse me second goal of the game third of the tournament England advance top of the group 3-0 their win over Wales coming home apparently is it I don't know We'll wait and see. Uh, group A, Ecuador, Senegal. Ecuador needs just a point to advance to the knockout stage. Senegal would pass Ecuador for a spot in that 16 with a win. 42nd minute, Piero Hincape takes down Ishmael Sar in the area. We go to a penalty ensuing kick. Sar slow on the lead up and deposits. Senegal in a position to advance 1-0 at the break. 67th minute. Ecuador corner. Felix Torres heads it on. Moises Casado is able to tap at home. The kid makes it 1-1, but two minutes later, Senegal off the free kick. Looking for their first attempt of the second half. Senegal. And they The captain's first international goal in his 67th career cap is the winner. Senegal advanced to the round of 16 for the first time in 20 years with the 2-1 final. Koulibaly, the captain coming through. Netherlands and Qatar, the only question is how close Qatar could keep it. Cody Gapko, or Yapko, depending on who you talk to, has scored in both the Netherlands group stage games so far. That is grade nine English kids, a little foreshadowing. Here's Gatko. Gatko with a goal, his third straight. And Netherlands advance, top of the group, 2 0 the final over Qatar, who score one goal and become the first team to host the World Cup and lose all three games they play. 
So the first two knockout games are confirmed. It'll be the Netherlands taking on the United States of America Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern time, while England meets Senegal on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern is your start there. I have an update on Christian Pulisic. He tweeted, there's a tweet from the hospital, an abdominal injury. He says, proud of my guys, I'll be ready Saturday. Don't worry, there he is. So it looks like he's ready to rock. Great picture. Christian Pulisic, the, the American hero today. Uh, understood. The fact that he's in the hospital, is that mildly, not mildly concerning? concerning? Yeah. Yeah, it, it weighs against what he has to say here. That'll Without a doubt. The picture and the statement <laughs> sure. seem to be at odds in my great. mind. Yeah. I'll wait and see. Yeah, maybe they're just checking on him. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I mean, the facial expression is very good. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Alfonso Davies has been uh, criticized a little bit here at the World Cup for not speaking to the media, uh, finally spoke today. Is this whole thing uh, much ado about nothing? Yeah, it seems like this is kind of built energy as we've gone along. At first, I kind of shrugged it off as this is a mixed zone thing. This is a European kind of sort of soccer thing where a lot of the star players don't speak to the media after the game. There's a little area where people will talk and then someone goes to a podium. We've seen fragments of this in North American sport because of the pandemic. But as it built, it became something kind of sort of ridiculous. And I thought, listen, the CSA needs to just step in here and put him in the spot where he speaks to the media to shut everybody up. But I'll say... One more thing about this that I think is real and we all need to get used to in the media business. Alfonso Davies doesn't need us mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. My guy wrote it down just before this. He's like he's part of this new generation that has a combined 11.5 million followers on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We have seen him numerous times in the past speak directly to his... He announced his breakup with his girlfriend on IG. We play post of him watching the game on Twitch all the time. Mm-hmm. There is a generation of sports athletes and entertainers, period, who can speak directly to their fans through here. And there's a lot of people that aren't used to that yet that are a little bit upset about it. And I understand it because they need him for their stories. And maybe the CSA needs to facilitate that a little yeah. bit better. But we need to get used to it and start sending questions into his IG because that's where he's going to answer them. Yeah. Do it like us. Go to your account. Answer the viewers. and, and Answer the, the friends. Let me just say this, too. He's not comfortable with the media. Uh, we had him on this show very early on. It was very... He has shown up time and time again for Canada. Just because he's not comfortable with the media doesn't mean that the media should say he needs to show So young, too. I mean, he'll he'll get better at that. He'll figure it out without a doubt. There's much ado about nothing. Still to come, Ryan Leslie live from Calgary ahead of Matthew Kachuk's return. We'll have the latest of the trade rumors in the NHL with smoke or fire with Nick Kiprios. But up next, NFL analyst Sam Acho joins us to discuss Deshaun Watson's return. And if this is maybe the beginning of the end for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay... We'll explain that and more coming up on this Tuesday edition of Timmy Friends. How could this have gone so wrong? This is the worst offense in football. And Russell Wilson is also near the bottom of every statistical category there is for a quarterback. On a historic level, one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL. 
Murder in, scores! Mitch Murder, and it is a 17-game point streak. You're one game away from tying the team record. Does that sit with you at all? This isn't going to stop, eh, boys? <laughs> what do you say to that fan base that really did embrace you? And they may even have a few boos for you upon your return, but yeah. what do you say to them? No, I'm not sure we'll see what happens, but um, they, they know I left it out there every, every single shift, every game. Matthew Kachuk and Ryan Leslie coming up on this edition of Tim and Friends, but week number 12 in the National Football League came to a close with another nail in the coffin of the Colts. A 24-17 loss to Kenny Pickett and the Steelers at home dropped the Colts to 4-7-1 on the season. As we get closer and closer to separating the contenders from the pretenders, we bring in Sam Atchell, NFL player, author, and the book's name. I have always loved Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes, which may be fitting given some of the conversations that we're about to have. Welcome back, (laughs) Sam. How are you, man? I'm good, Tim. How are you? I am very well. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, i got to start with the story that seems of the day. Deshaun Watson activated for the Browns, and it seems unreal that they will play the Texans in his former home of Houston. And I'm not going to act like uh, judge, jury, and executioner on criminal, criminal and or civil allegations. And I'm a firm believer that where there's smoke, there's probably fire, but I'm not going to put you in that position either. So I'll just ask you, as a dude that spent time in a locker room in the NFL, would you bring Deshaun Watson into your locker room and not only just bring him in, but hand the keys like the Browns are doing with Deshaun Watson to him? I would. I would. That's strictly from the player perspective. Because oftentimes when you're a player, you're thinking of what's going to help me win games. Well, why does winning matter? Because it's fun, sure, but also when players win games, you might get to the playoffs, and you're not getting you know playoff checks. Now you're getting higher salaries. Like so, as a player, you're saying, I just want someone who can help me win. Now the off-field issues are real issues, right? And hopefully, for the last few months, and even since all this arbitrary everything's got started, he's been dealing with and handling some of those issues. But when you think about, man, how, what, we, what can we do to win? Who can help us win? As a player in that locker room, you're saying, I will take anybody to help us go from four and seven to maybe flip that around and get a winning record. Okay, so how quickly does that get tired if you're not winning? Like, how much leeway does Deshaun Watson have? Because it seems like I've seen this story before, and as soon as the guy starts losing, it's like, all right, I don't want to answer these questions anymore. Get him out of here. Well, that's what it feels like. The tough part as a player is that you're going to have to answer for your quarterback, and that's what no player wants to do. They don't want to be put in a position where they either have to defend him or they have to speak on his behalf. They just want to be able to play football, but the questions will continue to come. Now, here's the thing. When you start winning, the questions sometimes dissipate. Uh, Jeff Saturday, prime example, he got hired as the Colts head coach. All these questions. Well, then in his first game, he won. He beat the Raiders. So all of a sudden, it died down a little bit. But now you have two losses in a row. The questions will pop up again. Winning is a great uh, eraser in so many ways. And so if Deshaun starts winning, then there may be less questions. But I don't feel like these questions are going to go away from a PR standpoint. But from a locker room standpoint, guys just want to win. All right. Well, speaking of that, Odell Beckham Jr., let me be clear. He has never been accused of the the kind of things or anything as serious as Watson has been. But I thought after his time in Cleveland, like the Browns might learn that that the drama can destroy a room. Am I making more out of that? Like with grown-ass men in a locker room, some of that petulance, can it 
terror room apart, or is that just a media fabrication? It's it's not a media fabrication. Selfishness, pride, all those things can definitely tear a locker room apart. But I don't think OBJ is those things. I think OBJ, when you saw him when he came out of Cleveland and went to Los Angeles, all you heard was how great of a teammate he was. You're, yeah. And then you saw on the field how great of a player he was. And so he's recovering from an injury, and there's been news about something about a flight. We're still trying to figure out all the details about that. Right. Uh, he said he was agent said he was sleeping on the plane. Other people said he was. I don't even know all the details, but the point is he's a great player and you want him on your team. There's no off the field issues. Now there was drama because of the huge name and all the following, but when it comes to being a football player and a good teammate, he has been all of those things and more. So if you're the giants or the Cowboys, you'd have no problem bringing OBJ in. Yes and no. See, it's not about character. It's about, can you play? That's right. the thing. It's not like I have no character questions about Eldo Beckham Jr. The question is how healthy are you? Can you get on the field and give us success? Now, maybe you don't have that success right now coming off your second ACL injury, but if I'm a team that's signing him, I don't want to sign him just for this season. I want to sign him for the future. I want to, if I'm going to take a bet on OBJ, right. I want to take a bet, not just for this year, because it may take you time to get fully healthy this year, but hopefully if I get you this year, I can get you for the years to come. And so whether that's Dallas, which is in more of a win-now mode, where it's the Giants, they're more of a, we won some games. We're kind of rebuilding. So in the, in the middle of it, even Buffalo, I don't know if that's still a conversation. I still think Buffalo would be a great place for OBJ. I'm still signing him if he's healthy. And even if it takes a little bit for him to get healthy, I still want him on my team if it's a good fit. All right, listen, bringing in talent doesn't always work. Just ask the Denver Broncos. Like, I, I, I really thought Russ could put him over the top, not to the edge. Could, could this turn out to be the worst trade in NFL history? Worst, worst is strong, Tim. I mean, I know. for a couple of reasons. Number one, I mean, you feel how they're playing right now. You could say you could, you could definitely, you know, uh, go there. But number one, I think, I think my biggest point is you could say it's still early if, in so many ways. Like you could say there's quote time to turn it around. But to say this is the worst trade, I think it's too. We're looking too much into how things are going right now. Right now. I mean, uh, people. People traded away the farm for some big-time players years back, and you could argue that those were worse trades. If Russell Wilson, maybe not this year, right, but he signed a couple more year contract, finds a way to help this team get over the top, um, then it won't be as bad of a trade. There have been questions also not just about Russell. There have been questions about the head coach, Daniel Hackett. And so uh, I, I think this, was, obviously, so far has not been a good move. And But it's too early to say this is the worst trade. Yes, Seattle has a lot of success right now, but I still think it's too early to say it's it's the worst trade. All right. Uh, I, we got to see how these draft picks work out because I would argue that Herschel Walker was the worst trade in NFL history, and it was because of what the draft picks ended up being. Although I will say this, Seattle hit it out of the park in the first <laughs> draft that they had with what they got for Russell Wilson. All right. So I, I got the feeling um, – I couldn't shake the feeling that when Rodgers went down – Aaron Rodgers went down in Green Bay, that this could be a very interesting time for his future in Green Bay. I know they say he'll play if he can on Sunday, but is it time to see if Jordan Love is any good? And is there a way that you could see the Packers maybe moving on given the last year or so with Aaron Rodgers? This is The truth is that Aaron Rodgers has struggled mightily all season long. 
by any measure of his metrics, this this is the his, not any metrics. This is the worst season he's had to date. But the other truth is that he's really the one who's in control. There's 50 million guaranteed essentially this year, maybe a little under 50, but next year it's around 60 million guaranteed. So the Packers don't really have the choice of moving on from him. It's really Aaron Rodgers' decision. Now maybe you say, hey, we'll eat that 60 million. We'll play Jordan Love, and then we'll you know our quarterback room will have. X amount, 61 million, 64 million, a lot of to it. But Matt LaFleur has already said if he's healthy, he's playing. And so that's the tough part about giving a guy the keys, not only the contract, but saying, hey, you decide who's on our team or we'll run everything by you. It's really tough because now all of a sudden the contract you gave him, it has your hands tied. So to answer the question, should Jordan Love get more reps? I think absolutely, especially if Aaron Rodgers is injured, and especially since they have a bye week after this week. I think Jordan Love should get the reps this week. They're playing the Bears. Let him see what he does against the Bears. And if it's good enough, then you see, then you go from there. But the Packers are in a very tough position because of the contract that they gave Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers and the say-so that they gave Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just wonder if maybe another team might come knocking on the door and Aaron might be interested just like it was for Devontae Adams. Uh, Sam, always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this. And I know I kind of left a little balloon hanging there, but we got to go. So thank you for doing this. Thanks, Tim. There is Sam Acho uh, joining us here on Tim and Friends. You could trade the contract. Yeah, That's yeah, all I'm saying here. Yeah. Coming up, it's a date Flames fans have had circled on their calendar as Matthew Kachuk returns to Calgary tonight. What kind of reception will he get? We will discuss with Ryan Leslie, who sat down with Kachuk after this short commercial interlude. All right, kids, as mentioned, big night in Calgary. Matthew Kachuk returns to the Saddle Dome. That's right. You can catch the Panthers and the Flames on Sportsnet West, nationally Sportsnet 1, 7 local, 9 Eastern time. And it's such a big game that we have brought in the fine-looking Ryan Leslie, who joins me now from the Saddle Dome. Rhino, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Tim, I'm doing great. Uh, Matthew Kachuk indeed uh, making his return to Calgary. And you said a moment ago, this is the one that everybody had circled. But I had a chance uh, when the Flames were down in Florida, I tagged along and had a chance to catch up with Matthew at his new home and his new life in Florida. It is a Friday night and we've got breaking news. A true blockbuster trade in the NHL. Matthew Kachuk has been traded to the Florida Panthers and signs an eight-year deal worth $76 million. Every time you talk to Matthew Kachuk, you ask him about being here in Florida. His face lights up. Well, this uh, this is tough to take. I mean, you spent a lot of time in Calgary, and now here we are in Florida. I mean, this is as good as it gets, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I've been very happy here. I obviously had so many like incredible memories up in Calgary. That's where it all started. Um, it's probably the best place for me at that time, giving me a chance to play in the NHL, giving me a chance to play on the roster. Um, I have so many great memories of so many great people. Tree giving me my first opportunity there. And I'm kind of not looking back from my six years there, but I've been very happy down here. You had that career year, and uh, you didn't go as far as you wanted into the postseason. How frustrating was it to have it end the way it did against Edmonton? Very frustrating. 
you can say you earned it and you say you played better, at the end of the day, it's all about results. And we didn't get that against Edmonton. We didn't deserve to beat them. They were clearly the better team. I am stunned that it's over in five. Even though I'm not in Calgary now, I learned a lot from that. Um, and I'm obviously down here in a, in a city and a team that felt similar to where our team felt last year. I mean, they've been knocked out by Tampa the last few years. So um, very similar mindsets from myself and my new teammates where uh, we felt we've left a lot out there the last couple of years, and um, you know we really want to change that. Matthew Kachuk, always in the fabric of the game. He is their heart and soul, isn't he? Kind of guy you love to have on your team. What do you say to that fan base that really did embrace you? And they may even have a few boos for you upon your return, but yeah. what do you say to them? No, I mean, I'll still see what happens, but um, they, they know I left it out there every, every single shift, every game. You know, being out there in the community, I tried to be as involved as I possibly could have been. And, um, through that, through the on ice and the off ice, I've met so many great people and um, six just unbelievable years that I'll never forget. And um, you know, even looking back now that I'm down here, you know, once in a while something reminds you of your time there, um, and just and nothing but uh, great memories. And my, my family and everybody just um, really enjoyed uh, like my time up there and being able to. Experience we know your brother did. He enjoyed it. Your brother uh, loved everything most. out there when yeah. he came to Calgary, didn't he? Uh, he, he definitely did. <laughs> He's like, I got to use that playoff experience that I learned up in Calgary as a fan. So, uh, yeah, just everybody had a great time. Uh, Ryan, I'm glad that it's around five degrees in Calgary today. Otherwise, you guys sitting by the pool wouldn't have went over so well had it been around <laughs> minus 10, minus 15. The we'll see what happens is really interesting to me from Matthew Kachuk because from the outside looking in, isn't it just going to be booze? I don't know. I don't know about that, Timmy. I'm yeah. not so certain. I, I've said this a few times uh, that I wonder if it's uh, he was our guy. You know, they drafted him. The Flames did. The Flames fans here really embraced him. They were the first ones who had to defend him and all of the antics and all of the madness and yeah. all of the entertainment and good stuff that went along with walking that line. And I wonder now, at least tonight, I wonder, I think he's going to be met with a, a lot of, um, well, an ovation. I, I don't know if it, we're talking about a standing ovation. I don't think it's like that, but I don't know if it's going to be uh, raining down booze on him. I think it's going to be one where it's going to be a fairly positive reception where uh, at least tonight or until he does something that uh, really ticks them off and does maybe what we know Matthew Kachuk can do, then that'll change. But this appears to be maybe the final chapter, a chance to say goodbye, and then maybe get on board with hating him like the rest of the league. <laughs> it, it seemed to me like a, a smattering going in, but it's interesting to hear you say that. I'll be tuned in to wait with the rest of them. But what, what does the three-game losing streak that Calgary's on right now play into what we're about to see tonight? It's funny, I asked Chris Tanev this morning, I said, is, is this Kachuk return a distraction? Stone face, and they are friends. He said, I didn't even know he was in town until you just mentioned it. <laughs> so they're not distracted by this, at least outwardly they're playing the role. Um, but as far as the losing skid, that is the concern here. Uh, this is a group that has not gotten off the way they want. Uh, the new players that came over uh, in that trade for Matthew uh, in Huberdeau and Uyghur, 
there's been moments uh, where we've seen glimpses of their ability and what they, uh, you know, hope to have when they acquired them. But uh, it has been a slow start at, for the entire group. So um, it's all about getting back in a win column. Both of these teams have uh, struggled. They're both out of a wild card spot. So uh, the win is what everybody's focused on, no doubt. It was an optional this morning. We'll hear from Matthew uh, in a short time here as he's about to come to the rink a little bit early for his media availability. But Flames, very optional today. All business. They've got to get back uh, to their winning ways here at home. But, uh, yeah, they're not overly happy with the way things have gone uh, this season. All right, uh, less than a minute here, but is it is it the offense? I mean, three goals in these three games, and you have a guy that comes in with uh, his best start ever, 29 points in 20 games. Is it the offense that people are focused on? Yes, it is. It's exactly that. They need goals. And there's a more than a murmur, more than a, a smattering of conversation here in Calgary about, hey, look, uh, Matthew Phillips is a Calgary guy. He's in the American Hockey League. He's scoring bunches. He's AHL Player yeah. of the Week. Why don't they get him in here? Uh, and they're pointing their fingers at everybody who isn't scoring. So there's a lot of talk about the offense. And I think Daryl Sutter is doing his best to sort of keep things uh, in check for his group. But uh, you can't ignore the fact that they need more goals. They might need uh, one less goal against. And, you know, Jacob Markstrom's been very open and honest about how he cannot let in uh, a bad goal a game. He knows he needs to be better, but really the focus here in Calgary, Tim, outside of the minus 15 and wind chill factor is let's get some goals going. Uh, Rhino, always appreciate this. Well, this is why we get into the business for games like this. Enjoy it, man. Yeah. Good to see you. There is Ryan Leslie in Calgary. Again, you can see that game on Sportsnet West and Sportsnet One. Coming up, we'll get you set for the rest of the night in the National Hockey League. Jets, Habs, Canucks also in action among the Canadian teams. And we'll separate the NHL trade rumor fact from fiction as Nick Kiprios joins us for a little smoke or fire. Next, right here on Tim and Fest. Oh, yeah. And there's this Matthews thing. Kipper started. Kipper. Muchas gracias, Sheepdogs. Tim McCallum, Jesse Rubinock, back with you for another 30 minutes in Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360. Hockey Central coming up 6.30 Eastern to get you set for a busy night in the National Hockey League. And we'll talk more hockey with Nick Kiprios in just a few minutes. I say all that hockey, hockey, hockey because we begin with highlights from the World Cup and some high-stakes rivalries on and off the pitch under the spotlight today as teams look to book their spot in the knockout stage in their final group stage matchups. We talked earlier about all of the layers both on and off the pitch between Iran and the United States and their matchup today. But hey, at least FIFA has taken the politics out of soccer, right? <laughs> all right, Iran, United States, this one absolutely loaded with layers. But it was Christian Pulisic who scored the first and only goal of this matchup. Captain America forced to leave the game in this brave challenge that gave the States a 1-0 lead that would stay until the 98th minute when Mehdi Taremi gets an opportunity, one of the few Iranians that's played abroad, chips it through the legs of Matt Turner, but Walker Zimmerman is there to pound it away. The United States is on to the round of 16-1-0 the final 
all that you can think as a Canadian is what could have been <laughs> had the group been a wee bit different. Wales and England had some layers as well. 50th minute England free kick. Marcus Rashford Marcus takes Rashford. it and makes it. My goodness. First direct kick for a goal in this year's World Cup. 1-0 England. 68th minute now 2-0. Rashford. Some moves inside the box. He goes through the legs of Ward and in. Second goal of the game, third of the tournament. England advance to the top of the group and move on 3-0 to final. All right, Group A for you. Ecuador, Senegal, 42nd minute. Piero Incapie takes down Ismaile Star in the box. That is ruled a penalty. Sar takes it and makes it. Senegal would advance to the knockout stage as they hung on to uh, with a win, and they are on 1-0. Then, a little bit later, Kalidou Koulibaly at 1-1, and Ecuador moving on, scores his first international goal in 67 caps, which proves to be the winner. Senegal advanced to the round of 16. 2-1 is the final there. Elsewhere, the Netherlands beat Qatar 2-0. They will face the United States of America. In the round of 16 on Saturday, England meets Senegal. That one will go on Sunday. Back to hockey, as we discussed earlier. Matthew Kachuk is in Calgary as the Flames host the Panthers tonight. You can see the game on Sportsnet West, Sportsnet 1. It's a national game. You can see it across the country. 7 in Calgary, 9 Eastern time. Chuck scheduled to meet with the media in about 15 minutes. We'll hear from him a little later on in the show. The Jets are off to the best 20-game start since the team returned to Winnipeg. We'll look to build on that tonight as they host the defending champion Colorado Lavalanche. Connor Hellebuck is expected to start the game for the fourth straight time. Winnipeg's Josh Morrissey has three goals, seven points in the last four games and was in it. Named the NHL second star of the week, currently ranks fourth in scoring among all defensemen. The Habs will look for their third straight win when they take on the Sharks tonight. Jake Allen will get the start in goal, replacing the red-hot Sam Montembeau, who stopped 61 of 64 in consecutive wins over Columbus and Chicago. One other change to the Habs lineup, Arbor Jackeye, will be a healthy scratch for the second time this season. He'll be replaced by... Jordan Harris. Now after a disastrous start to the season, Canucks have turned it up a wee bit over the past two weeks. And tonight, they'll look for their fourth straight win as they host Ovi and the Capitals. Viewers in the Vancouver region can see the game on Sportsnet Pacific, 6.30 local, 9.30 Eastern. Dan Murphy gets us up to date with more from Rogers Arena. Dan? Tim, don't look now, but the Vancouver Canucks have won three straight and five of six and are just one victory away from 500 on the season. Who would have predicted that after this club started 0-5-2 in its first seven games? Canucks getting it done because their top players are producing. The Canucks, the only team in the NHL with five players who have put up 20 or more points. One of those is Elias Pettersson, and his line has been fantastic. He, Mikheyev, Kuzmenko, all scored in that victory in San Jose on Sunday night. And if you look at the numbers in terms of goals per 60, of all the lines in the league who have played at least 100 minutes together, they're tops. Their goals per 60, a whopping 6.38. 
Maybe a bit of a surprise, but even though Thatcher Demko won in San Jose, Spencer Martin getting the start against the Capitals. And you can't talk about these Capitals without talking about Alexander Ovechkin. He's had a uh, great history in this building, lots of goals. And if he scores a road goal tonight, he'll tie Wayne Gretzky for the most road goals in NHL history at 402. Amazing the milestones this guy just continues to hit. Tim? Thank you very much, Dano. The stars have signed Rupe Hints to an eight-year, $67.6 million contract extension. Do the math, that's 8.45 mil per season. 26-year-old broke out last year, 37 goals, 72 points in 80 games, and has recorded eight goals, 24 points in 22 games so far this season. From Rupe to Nikos, I'm joined in studio by the man, the myth, the legend that is, Nick Kiprios. <laughs> For another Tuesday with Kipper. How are you, brother? I'm good. Just another day in the National Hockey League. Just another day in another big contract, even though the cap isn't going anywhere as of right now. Yeah. Interesting. But that's stuff. the way it is now. you yeah. got to almost hedge on some of these guys, and I, I think... Tage Thompson's another prime example in Buffalo. We saw that signing, and we're like, okay, who is he again? And uh, he scored once 30-plus goals, and now all of a sudden you realize. it's looking like a great signing by Kevin Adams. So give him credit for maybe seeing in the future and uh, understanding that uh, maybe – this is a great deal, not a good deal for the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, it's a real tough spot to be in for a lot of these GMs. All right, listen, you were trending this morning after talking still, about still Austin trending. Matthews' future in Toronto. Still trending? Yeah. yeah. Still what, trending. what the hell happened here? Thanks, morning show, by the way. <laughs> we, did, did we did talk about the great November by chance. Right. And, you know... I'm all set. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions that they have. I, I, got, a, I got a little beef with the social media department. <laughs> okay. All right. They yep. kind of threw me under the bus with this one because I said a lot of stuff in between right. this. And yet they only went with this and it caused a huge ruckus on social media. And, uh, you know, here we are. Uh, do I... We've all been there, by the way. Let's just. Let's just let's, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I've been around over 20 years. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to tell me. We have all been there yeah. where someone takes yeah. a small part Which of the is, conversation. Listen, I get it. That is know? nuanced and it just goes. I get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to attract some attention. This certainly has, has done it. It worked. Whoever is at social media in, in the PR department, hey, it worked. And it just goes to show you how sensitive this topic is. Yes. And it's a shame that. You know, it had to come out this way because it's November and they're doing great. Mitch Marner's got this record going. Yeah. Um, and maybe it came on the heels also of Matthew Kachuk going back to Calgary. Right. Um, but it'll pass. But it'll be kind of tucked away until it comes out again. And it will come again because this is a, a huge uh, situation for not only Austin Matthews and his future, but the Toronto Maple Leafs and what it will look like uh, down the road. I don't think a lot of people saw what happened in Calgary coming. And listen, I'm, I'm watching Aaron Judge do things in New York that I've never seen anyone do, and there's the possibility that he leaves. Yeah. Th there's this generational thing where the athletes now want to dictate their future. Is that where some of this comes from? Because even if a guy is super happy, yeah. he's going to explore the possibilities because these athletes have more power than they've had 
ever before. Yeah, we had Eric Francis on uh, Real Kipper and Bourne's show, and yeah. he says that uh, Matthew Kachuk gets a lot of credit because he didn't go into that last year and keep his cards close to him and not reveal anything. And Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau did that yeah. and then left. Uh, prior to that, a few years ago, for Leaf fans uh, and Islander fans, uh, John Tavares went through the same thing. Right. Go in your last year, say all the right things, and then leave town. Matthew Kachuk got ahead of it by one year, showed his cards right away. I'm not resigning here. You want to move me now? Move me now. It, it worked out great, I think, for all parties. Everybody seems happy. I know the records aren't what they should be in both their respective cities, but it, it generally worked out. Matthew Kachuk, in many ways, maybe reset the bar right. for, for superstars uh, going into their last year. And, uh, of course, Matthews has the option of not signing July 1st mm -hmm. and going out the rest of the year. But people will start connect the dots more and more that uh, perhaps the chances of him leaving, much like Tavares and Goudreau in their last years, mm -hmm. we, we know where that, that, that narrative will go real quick if he doesn't sign this July. Right. Okay, so Matt Murray was one of the Leafs' pickups in this offseason. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of what he's done thus far, yeah. and does it change your opinion of what they could be when it matters most? Uh, first of all, I was right out of the gate. Uh, you know, I, I'm a writer now, you know, and uh, I wrote an article, and I said they should have named this guy <laughs> number one right off the bat. Yeah. With his pedigree, with the Stanley Cups, I get it that he's uh, had some setbacks the last few years, but, you know, how many guys have come in still uh, with the, the thought that you're you're one of the most successful young goalies in NHL history? There's something there. Factor in, they've got a pretty good structure. He's making the saves that he's supposed to. I'm not overly surprised, to be honest with you, but this is still just scratching the surface for for. for uh, Murray and for Leaf fans, there's going to be a lot more sample sizes to go throughout this uh, this uh, this season, going into Christmas, All Star break. Uh, but it's a heck of a start for Matt Murray. And where they are, given the injuries and yeah. the October that they had, like the ten one and three came at a great time, and shows you a little bit about maybe. Yeah. The, the moxie that this team may have? I think it's a, a, a good start. I, at times you can watch them, and, you know, they've been a lot more exciting in the past, but they've also lost in the first round in the past. I, I think the game that we've seen in the latter part of November is more conducive to playoff hockey than I've seen in the past out of this hockey club. And at times it can be boring. At times it doesn't look like much is happening, uh, but they don't give up chances. And uh, when they do on... On a few occasions, Matt Murray's been there. Right. This is this is almost. And it's you crazy know, that you're saying that about a blue line that yeah. is as banged no, no, up no. as they are. But but it's by committee here. Yeah. Uh, they don't give up the middle of the ice. They block shots, right. and uh, it just seems that uh, outside of the physicality stepping up that we know in the playoffs, they're answering the bell for at least being tight and managing the clock and not feeling like they gotta score seven or eight goals when it's all over. All right, last one. We did enough on the Matthew Kachuk before you came in. Let me just ask you, are the Canucks changing anything with the way that they're playing right now? Well, I think they're just starting to believe a little bit. And, you know, if you want to go back, uh, just, just look at goaltending and what it means. And, of yeah. course, um, you know, it, you're hard-pressed to find another uh, 
Carey Price or Vasilevsky, but you just need guys to stand in there and, and hold their own. And Vancouver's starting to get some good goaltending. You look at the Rangers last year, and so many games were won on the, yeah. the, the back of Shesterkin. And all of a sudden, he's letting in a bad goal a game, and he's come down to earth. And now the Rangers are, are reeling as well. So uh, you get good goaltending. You don't have to get spectacular goaltending, but if Vancouver now can hold their own, then then they should be where we thought they'd be all along, in, in, in the race for a playoff spot. And that's where, amazingly, they are right now, given how yeah. tight the West is. All right, listen, I'm a firm believer that when you smell smoke, you must investigate to see if there's fire. So I'm going to give Kipper some of the smoke that I'm hearing these days, and one of the best insiders in the game over the last, I don't know, couple of decades will tell me if it's smoke or there is actual fire here in a segment that you've probably figured out is called Smoke or Fire. All right, let's start with Jeff Merrick calling the Buffalo Sabres a dark horse destination for Jacob Chikrin. Is this smoke or fire? Uh, no, there'd be fire here. I think uh, I think Merrick's on to something. I, there's no doubt that uh, uh, Buffalo would be one of those teams interested. And again, you got to have the assets. you got to have the ability uh, to bring in his salary, uh, I think they check the boxes on a lot of on a, a lot of uh, uh, aisles here for for what it would take to get Jeff Chikrin. Buffalo would be uh, Kevin Adams would be definitely asking the right questions. Could Toronto get in on that or any other Canadian team? Because it seems like if you go to Vancouver, Edmonton, and or yeah. Toronto, there's talk of defensemen. But when I look at the Caps, yes. case, this is going to be tough to beat. Well, and this is where. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs would have a, a leg up because they've got uh, Jake Muzzin's money to play with. And uh, all indication is he's he's out until he's back in. And if he does come back in in the new year, uh, then you start making it up as you go along here. Uh, and, and, and don't worry about it until you have to worry about it. Uh, for me, I think uh, uh, bringing in a guy like Chikrin or someone in that capacity of five million, five plus, is realistic now for the Toronto Maple Leafs, so, mm -hmm. so Chikrin should absolutely be in play for the Leafs. Okay, so once Chikrin goes, and Jacob Chikrin seems to be the key spot here, we all know the dominoes will fall. Smoke or fire, the Predators could deal Dante Fabro. Yes, uh, definitely. I think that uh, David Poyle would be in a position to move a defenseman, uh, but doesn't seem to be likely one of his big boys. Uh, this is a guy that I think would fit in nicely under Kyle Dubas. He hasn't had much success with rentals over the last little while. This would be a restricted free agent and uh, certainly be an upgrade. Uh, Justin Hall's actually come back and played really well. Um, but I, I do believe that they're going to want a, a guy like this uh, when it's all said and done on the back end. All right, so the Montreal Canadiens have gotten off to a better start than most people thought they would. Smoke or fire, though, Uri Slavkovsky could end up in the AHL. I, I think at, at this point, uh, you know, they're, they're open to anything. Uh, you look at Shane Wright and what's going on in, in Seattle, and I, I just don't think that there's a rush, a need. Uh, if, if, if you want to send them down for two weeks, you have that option. If it's longer, it's longer. But uh, for these kids, I, I just think it's mo most important that they're on the ice, they get some key situations. Look, Shane Wright, I mean, he's playing power play, penalty kill. Like, whatever you need him to do, play 18, 20 minutes, uh, it's got to feel real good now having fun again coming to the rink. 
All right. Uh, the St. Louis Blues are in a very interesting situation. They've got kids yeah. coming along that are already getting paid or about to yeah. go into the the money pays, and they've got. Um, Tarasenko, yeah. O'Reilly, UFAs. Yeah. Are they smoke or fire? They're ready to deal their vets. Fire. Fire? Yeah, no question. I don't know about uh, Ryan O'Reilly right now. They, they, they can't give Tarasenko away. They've been trying for the last year and a half, two years. Uh, and this guy's, this guy's going to want a lot of money still. And he's got some finish, and I think he, there was a, a link towards Edmonton to, to buy time, I guess, for... Uh, Evander Kane to come back. Uh, I, I wouldn't rule that out, but uh, you know, Doug Armstrong's pretty shrewd guy. I mean, he, he finds a way to uh, maximize returns and, and value on contracts. This guy never overpays for anybody. So they got some tough decision, I think, with their captain as well, Ryan O'Reilly. I like him a lot, boy. I think a lot of guys like him yeah. a lot in and around the league. All right, last one for you. Uh, Smoker fire the Kings dealing Jonathan Quick. Uh, there'd be some fire there for sure. I think we've been kind of hearing this for the last little while. Uh, and, you know, when you're talking about a few veterans on uh, expiring deals and uh, a guy that still has some life, uh, depending on where the Kings are. But there's a lot of pressure on the Kings to win now. Uh, they've kind of sped up the process of the build Especially when Drew Doughty says, uh, I didn't sign up for $11 million a year to, to go through any rebuild. So uh, I, I don't think uh, they're shopping them. I think there's more smoke than there is fire on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see where the Kings are come February and March. Uh, that'll, that'll clear the smoke. Love it. Uh, another edition of Smoke or Fire has come to a close. Kipper, though, will you stick around for our close with game time? All right. All right. Kipper sticking around. Jesse Rubinhoff is going to take over. One final break, then we'll come back and we'll hear from Matthew Kachuk, or at least we hope to because he hasn't appeared at the podium just yet. We were promised. We'll see if he shows up. Next. Kipper Rubinoff, McAuliffe, we hope your game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. And we've got three games in the NHL on the Sportsnet family of channels tonight, including Matthew Kachuk's return in Calgary. WWE fans can catch NXT on Sportsnet 360 at 8 Eastern. But first, it's game time. What time is it, baby? Well, Timmy. I got news for you. Matthew Kachuk is literally speaking to the media in Calgary right now. So why don't we join that? It's live. Have a listen. First, what is it? Uh, what was it like coming in here as a visitor today? It was good. It was uh, it was interesting. And yeah, for all you guys, Florida gets the first questions here. It's not like old times. Um, what I, I said that one back in Florida. You guys got a kick out of that one. Now, um, it was weird. I mean, I just got to the rink now and. Uh, it's just weird coming a different way. I mean, it's it's uh, lots of great memories here, special times. My routine here is like, I mean, honestly, waking up and seeing like downtown, you just just feels different. So um, it's uh, probably not going to sink in until I get out there for for warm ups or for the game. But uh, just super jacked up and excited. And like the guys that came this way probably had the game in Florida circle. It's same with me. Like I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing the fans and playing in this awesome building again. Have you talked about the memories? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say ner- nervous, really, but uh, pretty excited, um, 
antsy, just kind of want to get it going here. Um, I'm not really a type that gets too nervous about stuff, so uh, I don't think it's much different for this. Matthew, you talked about the memories here. Is there one that really sticks out to you? No, not just one. Uh, probably just, you know, so many great people I met. I mean, on ice was one thing, but, like, this is a city where I grew up in, and um, just got to know so many great people, and it just I've, I grew as a person here. I, I just grew up here. I, I came in pretty oblivious to everything. I was 18 years old and not really thinking I probably knew a lot and not knowing anything. So um, grew up here, played with so many great teammates and so many that I keep in touch with and just the relationships that I've created with guys here, um, you know, will, will last forever. So I think that's probably the my favorite part about playing here. Matthew, you've always been a player who uh, you've inspired a lot of emotion in fans. So what kind of reception are you expecting tonight? I've got no idea. Um, I've got no idea. I know I got booed last night, so <laughs> hopefully not the case tonight, but you never know. McAuliffe and Kipper <laughs> along with Rubinoff game time. What do you expect? What do you, in Edmonton, yeah, <laughs> no, oh, no, I don't think it does. But he's used to getting booed in Edmonton. Yeah. Will he get booed in Calgary? I think there's going to be a, a pleasant round of applause, and then the first face wash he gives a Calgary flame, he starts to get booed. Right. I, they, listen, they miss him. They miss mm-hmm. him and the edge that he brings. Forget about the skill, the 100 points. Just the mere fact that he can go out there and create an energy right now that other Flame players are having a little bit of trouble these days. Mm-hmm. Talk about that that line last year, Johnny Hockey, him and Lindholm. Yeah. Uh, the very best last season. That's a hard guy to replace. Uh, Kachuk has 14 more points than Huberto and Uyghur combined Crazy. through about 20 games of the season, at least for Kachuk. The other two have played 39. All right, the Lightning are looking to snap the Bruins' home winning streak tonight. Boston has set an NHL record winning their first 12 games at home this season. And going back to the playoffs last year, they've won 19 straight at TD Garden. Kipper, yeah. does the string end tonight with Tampa in town? <laughs> Tampa's got to get going here. Um, and just in terms of at least... You know, Toronto's on that run now. Uh, Both these teams should be able to close the gap against Boston, so that would be a good start. But uh, are you a believer now that Boston's going to run away with this and we're looking at Toronto and uh, Tampa Bay again in the first round? I I don't know. I'm not a complete believer, but they keep winning hockey games, and eventually you just got to believe the record. Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. And for the Boston Bruins, I didn't think their defense and goaltending was this good. Oh, boy. This is surprising. It's been this good. Another Lindholm back there, right? Yeah. Made a big difference. Now McAvoy's back. They look awfully good back there. Yeah, they yes, do. They do. Uh, Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals are in Vancouver to face the Canucks. Ovi is sitting on 791 career goals. And as Murph mentioned earlier in the show, is one shy of matching Wayne Gretzky's record for road goals at 401. Of course, Bruce Boudreaux has spent five years coaching Ovechkin with the Capitals as he was asked about that record. He comes to play every night. So, I mean, um, scoring uh, scoring goals is what he does. And it's just, uh, uh, you could play on the moon and Alex would give it his best and he'd, and he'd, and he'd do well. Does he get it tonight? It seems like he has that flair for the dramatic, does it not? Every yeah, time just, you, yeah. Every time you see him on the ice, you think he's going to do something special. It just has to be considered the, the greatest goal scorer in in the league, right? I mean, or in history. I mean, I know Gordy's got uh, and Gretz has got the record still, but I think it, I just where the game's gone, 
And uh, also the fact that he's got this physical flair to him, yeah. which is just another level stuff. It's remarkable what he's been able to Did do. Did I ever tell you the story about Media Day a few years back? We go to Chicago. Ovi wants no part of it. He doesn't want to be at Media Day at all. Sits down with Sid and I, and uh, interviewing is not going very well. He just doesn't want to talk. And I say, uh, do you think you can break Gretzky's record? And I put it very calmly, and his <laughs> eyes light up. Like, I swear to God, yeah. everything changed. He was in the interview. He wanted to talk about it. Like, this means a ton to him. I think he's seen it over the last couple days. Oh, last listen, couple years. Uh, he's, stick, he's sticking around for a lot of reasons, yeah. but that one is right at the top of the list. Without a doubt. Ruby Kipper, McAuliffe, that does it for us. Hockey Central, David Amber is coming up. Have yourself a wonderful night, a busy night. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching, Keep everybody. Island, Islanders today in Philly. It's going to oh, yeah. be an interesting start.